0: Today's word comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 to 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 to 18. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, Not to see the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the word of God.
1: Thank you moms, especially the moms for today. Um, I know you do so much. We live in a city uh, that's very fixated on careers and uh, what, uh, what achievements you make especially how much money you make um and i think we especially live in a time where the hard work of being a mom that's not uh, it's not really highly esteemed and so i think it's really good that on this day we get to we get to re- you know remember you and honor you because probably your work is a lot more important than whatever's happening at google or face facebook i mean that'll probably it is and so we really want to honor you it really is all right This is part six of our message uh, on this series called Treasure in Clay, and this is our sixth week in this space, (laughs) this new uh, chapter of, uh, uh, you know, where we are planting this church, Revive, and um, I know this is a a complex and packed text, and um, I picked it, not because it's an easy text, but because it's so, I think it's such a profound and, and beautiful text, and I would hope that um, five years from now um, these words have been planted in your heart, and even five or ten years from now, people could say, this is a second Corinthians chapter four kind of church, right? But that's what people will say. that you can come to the church and people can, they can readily see that we are made of clay, that we let our vulnerability We are authentically vulnerable to one another because we don't have to hide. We know we're sinful and broken and we don't have it all together, but we have a Savior who has covered us with his righteousness. And he has covered our death with his, our dying with his life. Um, You know, we live in the transient, but we have an eternal life. And um, this is what will enable us to conquer affliction, that we are afflicted, but we are not crushed. You know, this is so important. Um, We are persecuted, but we are are not abandoned. You know, uh, I don't know if people can say that America is a place of persecution, but it seems like we're starting to go in that direction. And it's not a theory that some of you, if you come out of the closet, if you come out of the closet at work, and say you believe in Jesus, you may receive opposition. And it is not a theory that some of you, that at the next round of uh, layoffs and cuts, you could be targeted. That That's not a theory, right? It's not a theory. It's real, right? But can you remember this, that we are persecuted but never abandoned? Huh. We may be afflicted. We may even be dying, but we have life. Huh. And I want to close this, uh, this, this series um, with this... Focus today on verse eighteen. Verse eighteen. It's, these last few, these last three sermons, uh, they're all application sermons. I don't know if you picked this up. So we do not lose heart, and I gave you a big message on the difference between losing a job or losing your looks and losing heart. And then last week we talked about light, momentary afflictions but yet light momentary afflictions which prepare the way to an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Bigger than the warriors, remember? (laughs) All right, bigger than the warriors. Uh, And today, um, we want to talk about this verse, verse 18. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's how people in Christ, people of the resurrection, they operate. You look a certain place, your eyes go somewhere, and it's not to the things that everybody else goes to. And so that's what we want to talk about today. So, part one the myopia of fix, fixating on the visible and the tangible, right? The myopia of fixating on the visible and the tangible part two seeing eternal realities through hope and faith you know how to see things that are actually invisible it's kind of strange but that's what we have to learn how to do you have to train yourself to learn how to look through a lens not through these eyes but through hope and faith and part three i want to close by talking about um, a really important portion of scripture called and i want to talk about the joy set before us we're a church plant and planting a church is one of the most glorious and incredible things. I mean, you think you want to plant a new company? <laughs> you, want to, you want to plant a company and it's going to go you know, to billions of dollars valuation in the future. That, that's, the, that's the name of the game in our city, right? But um, how about planting a church? And you always have to remember the joy set before us, the joy set before us. Okay, that's part three. So let's get into part one the myopia of fixating on the visible and the tangible it says in verse 18 as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen so that's a, I want to just start by asking you this question where do your eyes go what do you look at so you know there's a lot of things that you can look at you walk into even just this room and do you tend to look at the screen do you tend to look at the other people do you tend to look at their clothes what do you look at When you walk through life, what are the things that you look at? Um, Today, I sat for the first time with my wife in the back because, you know, Mother's Day. I said, you know, let's let's sit up in the front and be a boring pastor. (laughs) Let's go be a husband and sit with my wife. And so I got to kind of like look at everybody. And it is a a glorious thing to see you worship. I I usually sit in the front so I don't get to see you worship. Um, I was sitting next to Teo. You know, he's a He's a, he's a squirmy kid with a lot of life in him because that's why he squirms. And, and then we have you know, all the way up to some of you who are a little older, just a little older. You still look good, don't worry, okay, if you're older. And um, I was thinking while, it was, uh, while we were worshiping that Joseph was leading praise. And I remember Joseph graduated from UC Davis recently, right? And so he's, you know, he's like launching off into postgraduate life. But I remember when he was a freshman in college, and uh, leading praise for us. It was a solo act. It was just him on a guitar. And what I was looking at, this is what, what this, I'm, no, I'm not making this up. So I, I, I literally came up with this illustration about 10 minutes ago, okay? Because I liked it better than the one I had. And, uh, and so Joseph, did, I don't know if you noticed, but his pants are kind of, they kind of rise up kind of high. You <laughs> notice that? His, I was like, his pants are rising up kind of high. And I was going, oh, so this is a kind of in thing now, and my son, my son, he, he, when he, before he leaves the house, he wraps up his pants a certain way, and, you know, it kind of rides up kind of high. Like, you know, you notice I, I don't wear my pants like that because I'm in my 40s, okay? But when I was 17, my, my son is 18, actually. He's actually older than, when I was 16 and 17, do you know they did this in high school? <laughs> When I was 16 and 17, this was the thing. So maybe some of you, when you walk into a room and you look, what do your eyes go? How do people dress? Uh, What's the cool hair? Is my hair in the cool hair? Or is it kind of in the lame hair that nobody thinks is cool anymore because that was cool five years ago? And so to me, it's just, I'm looking at Joseph going like, oh, he's a young man now but he wears his pants the way I did when I was 16. (laughs) I was like, that is funny. (laughs) Now, let me tell you something. Let me give you a little uh, uh, clue here. It says in the Bible from God, okay, God says this, do not set your eyes on the things that are transient, okay? And if you care a lot about, you know, how your pants wear, you know, ride, you are fixing your eyes on the things that are transient. <laughs> I mean, um, my pants are going to probably be like this for the rest of my life because I just don't care how hard they ride, okay? Now, now maybe I will care because my son will be too embarrassed because <laughs> if, if, his dad is too, like, uncool. And just to humor him, I might change it, but that's not where my eyes go, huh. All right? Um, and, you know... And I'm just giving you a kind of silly example, but let's get a little bit more serious. Um, you know, in this city, it's an intense city. It's hard not, your eyes, to not fixate on things like um, your mortgage payment, or your rent. Uh, this, this, I get the Sunday paper of the San Jose Mercury every single week, every week. It's crazy, every single week. On the front page, there's always a story about housing crisis. And so there was a story this week. It's something like this. It said, well, it was like about three weeks ago, because so, I'm about three weeks behind, okay? <laughs> and it said something like this: If you make one hundred thousand dollars, that's you know that's a pretty good amount of money in America. That's like almost double the median household income in America. I don't know if you know that. If you make one hundred thousand dollars in the Bay Area. In 2012, this is seven years ago, in 2012, you can afford rent in 70% of the zip codes in the Bay Area, in 2012, okay? In 2019, you can afford rent in 13% of the zip codes in the Bay Area, if you make $100,000. Wow! I, I look at that number, and I said, "Whoa!" I I mean, (laughs) am I gonna last here? Because my income is not like that great. I I was thinking about that. And so that's a fact. That is a social economic fact of life of living here. And so when that is the case, it is very hard for your eyes to not fixate on things like mortgage and income, your bank account. That is very hard for your eyes to not fixate on those things. So look at those things, right? How about some other things? Um, where well, how good your grades are? How good your SAT scores are? What college you get into? Uh, what graduate schools accept you? What companies accept you? What promotions you get? These are the things that we're looking at all the time, right? Um, how, how much that stock account is going up? These are the things that we look at all the time. But these are the things that are visible. And yet the Bible says they're not worth any more than, than this. <laughs> According to the Bible, you know, sorry, I know this, this doesn't look as cool as Joseph's. It's about the same, same thing. That's what the Bible's saying. Because the things you can see, because that's what we demand in our I want to know what's real. If it's real, you could see it, you can grab it, it's very tangible. It, it, it's, in, it's interesting because money is not necessarily, it's actually, it's strangely invisible. You guys know that money's invisible? You pull out a piece of plastic, the plastic is not your money. <laughs> the numbers on that plastic refer to an account that's somewhere else that's invisible, but we think it's real. Because it is real, it's tangible. So we think these are the things that make life life, the visible things. I can see it with my eyes. I can hold it. But the Bible actually says something very, very strange. It says it's transient. It's like pants fashions. It's just going to pass away. So I want to say a little something about this. Um, if you can only see the things that are like visible and tangible, it's like having myopia. You guys know what myopia is? Now I have myopia, that's why I wear these, okay? Myopia is nearsightedness. You only can see the things that are near. And uh, you know, I looked up myopia just to make sure that I, I didn't get it backwards <laughs> from farsightedness. I was like, let's be sure that I don't use the wrong word here, so I looked it up. And again, you know, um, you know, the internet's so clever. It gave me the first definition, nearsightedness. You can only see the things that are close, okay? I'm very nearsighted. If I take this off, you know, like, I have no idea who's, who, I can't see you now, right? Um, this eye is pretty nearsighted and this eye is even worse because I've got astigmatism on this eye, right? And so I'm pretty blind without, you know, without my glasses, I, I have a lot of myopia, but you know, Most of us in our city, you can only see things that are close. But when I looked it up on the internet, there was a secondary definition. I thought this was so great. It says, lack of imagination or foresight or lack of intellectual insight. That's true too. Because the best way you see is not with your eyes. The best way you see is with wisdom, understanding, insight. You have to have a deeper sight in your mind, you have to have a deeper sight that comes out of your heart. And, you know, there is the, this will help you see, right? This will help you see. But if you don't actually have real deep insight into the deeper things in life that are eternal, that are not transient, then you will not be able to see the things that really, really matter. All you can see is the things that are up close. So, you know what kind of uh, glasses you need? You need these kinds of glasses. <laughs> You need these kinds of glasses. Words. True words. Deep words. Words that take you into the eternal. words that help you see the eternal. Otherwise, honestly, so I don't mean to be mean here, you're a shallow human being. <laughs> and uh, our city, it's filled with shallow people. We're, we're A lot of us, we're supposed to be eternal people and deeper people, but a lot of us are very shallow people. You know, we... Uh, we, we can be eternal for about 90 minutes on Sunday, and then we wake up very shallow on Monday, right? Yeah, me too, you know? Wake up very shallow on Monday. So I'll, you know, maybe maybe I'm just slightly better than you. I can be eternal for two hours, not for 90 minutes, okay? And then, tonight, transient glory. The warriors, okay? <laughs> I'll be very interested in the transient glory. It's pretty good but it's still transient. That's part one. Let's go to part two. Seeing eternal realities through hope and faith. So this is what the Bible teaches. Let me give you a different passage out of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. So this is a really important chapter out of the Bible. So this is a, if you go to weddings, you might hear this chapter. <laughs> you know, This is a, the great chapter that describes love. But this is the way the chapter ends. It says things like, if you, are, um, if you have all manner of wisdom and you can talk, 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 but you don't have love, then you're just a gong. That's what it says. But, and it says all these profound things, but this is the way the chapter ends. So this is, it goes, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So what does that mean? Faith, hope, and love abide. That means they last. These things go on. They're, they're not like, you know, how high the pants ride. <laughs> they last longer. They last longer than Apple. What's going to outlast? What's going to be longer? Faith, hope, and love? Or the glory of Google? The empire, you know, whole empires are come and go. You know, the Roman Empire is gone. The Babylonian Empire come and goes. You know, Chinese empires have come and gone. You know, right now, the American empire is still pretty high and it's kind of going down. The Chinese empire is starting to come back. But they won't abide. <laughs> they won't abide. Faith, hope, and love, they will last, right? And the greatest of them is love. Now, if you want to live inside of something that is eternal, you have to be able to do it through things that are like, they're not so easy to see, but you can learn how to live and walk through them through faith, hope, and love. Now, you know, as you walk through this life, there's a, there, there are things that, that um, don't look like they're going to last. You know, the, the Greeks. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd and I like to know all the different philosophies, um, but... Um, you almost can look at all of, of, of philosophical, at least in the West. In the East, you know, there's there's some big guys like Confucius and so forth, right? But at least in the West, the the it's pretty much the Greeks, and then they you get to a peak of a guy named Plato. And then there's a whole, then there's Aristotle who's pretty good, and then there's a whole bunch of like little dudes until there's the Bible comes along. You know, the Greeks knew what was eternal. You know how they figured it out? Because they were the first people. To be the global traders. They were the first, um, they were the first in, um, people who had tolerance. Instead of like meeting people and said, These people are gross, let's kill them. <laughs> These people have an ugly religion. They're inferior. We'll just enslave them. That's not how the Greeks operated. The Greeks said, Well, we'll conquer you, but then let's become friends. Let's trade ideas and money, we'll both become richer. That's how the Greek empire came about. It was the first empire that was truly like that. They were a really brilliant people. And then the, these brilliant people studied other people's worldviews. They studied their cultures. So when they studied their cultures and their art and their practices, you know what they figured out? They figured out some things are here today and then they're transient and then they're gone. But some things last. So like right now, we live in a time in post-modernity where everything is relativistic. There's just cultures and they just arise and they go, that's not true. Cultures go up and down, but some things are eternal. They last, the Greeks knew this. They called them the transcend transcendentals. They transcend all things, right? And um, they were, let me give them to you. They were the good, the true, and the beautiful. The good with a capital G. The true, with the capital T. There's a truth that transcends all other little truths. There's a good capital G that transcends all the small little g's. You know, the Asians think it's this little g, but the, you know, this culture over here think it's more athleticism, so it's, they have a little g. The Spartans thought you have to be strong and defeat all other people through might. The, the, uh, the Athenians thought you can do it through wisdom and, and knowledge. But those are the small little g's and the small t's. But the Greeks also figured out there are big G's and big T's and there are big B's. And you know what? Then a scholar came along and he was steeped in the Greek knowledge. His name was Augustine. And then he became a Christian after he read the Bible. And you know what he figured out? He says, you know what the Greeks understood is true. It is true. But what they don't know is it all comes from one place. It all comes from God. There is a good. It's all God's goodness. There is a true, there is, it's truth that flows from him. And there's a beautiful, he is always beautiful. And you know what? This is an incredible thing that you learn out of the Bible. The truth is beautiful and it is always good. Because it's always from the one source, the true, the good, the beautiful God. But then that true, good and beautiful God came to earth and then he gave us something eternal so that it can be in us. And then it came and you know how we live in it? We live in it through faith, hope, and love. 2,000 years, Christianity has conquered every manner of affliction through faith, hope, and love built on the true, good, and beautiful God. Hmm. Now, I want to give you three things. I want you to fixate on three things. I want to help you to see things that the true, good, and beautiful God, when he gives us faith, hope, and love in Christ, From his death and resurrection. His dying takes away our dying and conquers all our dying. That's the cross. His resurrection gives us a life that cannot die. It's the eternal. And inside these things, there's always it's always filled with faith, hope, and love. And inside, there's like so many gifts. There are so many gifts. It's not just like one or two things. Some people fixate on forgiveness. I've done really bad things. I need forgiveness. Unbelievable gift. Okay. Your forgiveness, by the way, is forever. It's not here today and then tomorrow you're bad and then you lose forgiveness. In Jesus, his blood washes over all your wickedness and then the forgiveness is a forever forgiveness. Incredible. That's, but, but there's more. You know, there's more than that. So I want to give you three. To, especially as we're a new church, I want to give you three to think about. And can you live and see these things? Can you live and see some of these three things that it's strange because you can't really quite see them. You don't see them with your eyes, but you can can you anticipate them and believe by hope? Because hope is something that's coming, but you can't see it. But that doesn't mean it's it's fake. People today think we have hope, but hope is, um, a lot of people think hope just means this. uh, It's when somebody says, you know, everything will just work out well in the end. you know, it'll always turn out right. You know, when you hear that and people just say that and then you just go, well, what is that based on? Nothing. (laughs) That's not real hope. That's just um, wishful thinking. In our time, people think wishful thinking equals hope. But in the Bible, hope is the good thing that's coming and it has a foundation built upon the redemption that God did through his son, Jesus. And that hope is absolutely certain. It's coming, even though you can't see it. Can you live inside of hope? Big, big hope. Christianity is the the faith of humongous hope. So let me give you three pieces of hope for you to live inside of. Number one, so people come to church and uh, will you look at them through your eyes, this eyes, and go, all right, this guy, um, this guy seems to have pretty nice clothes, and uh, you know he has pretty good fashion, and he, must, um, he has taste, and he seems to know how to um, buy expensive things. Therefore, he must make pretty good money, <laughs> and he must have a really good job. And when you're talking to him, he has pretty good vocabulary, so he's really, really smart. So these are the things we look at. Are those things you see? Or maybe... Maybe a woman comes into the church and her hair isn't quite as nice and her clothes aren't quite as hip and her vocabulary isn't quite as sharp. And so you think, oh, maybe she's not so smart and she's not you know, one of the hot shots in our city. Those are the things we see with our eyes. But can you see something inside of what's happening? Because if they meet Jesus... If they meet Jesus and give their lives to Jesus, they are being united to a God who has conquered death for them and will give them a new life. So re- regardless of where they are at, whether they look ho- cool and hip or they seem broken and hurting, regardless of where they're at, there's a future self that's coming. Um, you, I, I listened to uh, one of my favorite pastors. Is, I mean, if you guys are right, you guys know it's, who, am I, who am I about to quote, guys? Tim Keller, right? So one of my favorite messages from Tim Keller, I've listened to these sermons many, many times, is his marriage sermons. And if you've never listened to, to the Tim Keller marriage sermons, you should, especially if you are married. If you are married, you'll get to like sermon number two and find out that you're not a very good husband. All right, that's what happened to me, all right? Many times, oh, so I'm blowing it here, okay? But one of the things he talks about is, so let me give you a little bit of a, a dating tip for those of you uh, who are younger, how can you figure out who you should marry? Whom you should marry? This is, a good piece. this is a good piece of dating tip because you meet this person and it's not because they're the best looking or because they make the best money or because they come from the right family because there's something that's happening in Christ. God is doing something in them and you can see the person that they're becoming. And and Tim Keller, he, he called that a, a name for this. He says, you're looking at their glory self. That's what he put it. Not the who they are in their current self, but their glorious self, the eternal, beautiful self. They'll never die. Can you see that? And if you could see something of the eternal, glorious self, and then you wanna be a part of that, you know, I want to see this journey. I wanna help be a part of this journey. He goes, that's the person you should marry. <laughs> now, the reason I give you that tip is the glorious self is not just in who you marry. It's just that the person you marry, you get that, to see that journey in the front row seat. <laughs> okay, when you marry that person. You also get to see how much they fall down. You get to see the unglorious self. <laughs> you see a lot of the unglorious self. But always remember, in hope, stick with the person because the glorious self is coming in Christ. But when you, look, when you look at the person who walks in the church, please don't check out their clothes or their vocabulary or how expensive their clothes are. Can you see a glimpse? And when you look at them, look at them in hope. The glorious self. Hmm. Um, uh, Damon was sharing, um, not to embarrass him, um, this is not going to embarrass him, I know it's not going to embarrass him. Uh, uh, a few months ago, We had a a young man who gave his testimony and he got baptized and this guy had done a lot of (laughs) partying, and he'd lived a pretty kind of like hedonistic lifestyle until he found the Lord. And Damon said that it made him really emotional because it it reminded him of what he was like when he was that age. (laughs) Because it made me remember. And, You know, whenever Damon says that to me, I always think that's crazy because I don't know that guy. (laughs) I don't know the guy who likes to party all the time. I only know this version of Damon. He's a glorious version. So just imagine what Damon's going to be when he's even more, you know, when he's even more glorious, right? And a lot of you love Damon. You should because he's an incredible brother. Just what is he going to be when he's even more that way? And um, you know, our, our sister gave this testimony a couple weeks ago where she says that she fights depression, but do you already see that there's a story unfurling in her where the depression is starting to have some, is starting to lose. So Michelle's glory self is emerging. And she needs you and me to re- remember that she, there's a more glorious Michelle coming. <laughs> Absolutely. Not maybe, not possibly, absolutely. Right? And we all need that because our unglorious self is going to fall down and act like a jerk and run away from God and, you know, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, just like we sang. And like his goodness, like a fetter, holds our heart to his hymn. And that's how the glorious self comes. So number one, can you live and look at the people around you? Maybe can you look and remember that you have a glory self that's coming? Especially on the days when you feel like, I'm not going to make it. Nobody likes me. I don't even like me. You know, this is a, a society where everybody is transient. The clothes are transient. The money is transient. The jobs are Transient. I mean, tomorrow when Apple caves and Apple almost, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Apple almost died. <laughs> it's now like the highest uh, um, valuation company in the world, but then tomorrow it'll be gone. So you know what that means? If there is no heaven and no eternal, there's only transient things. People are transient too. You're transient too. People look at you and go, you're pretty today, but not tomorrow. <laughs> I'll trade you in for a better-looking wife tomorrow. They don't say that while they're dating you, but you're transient. They only look at what they can see. So if we only look at the things that are transient, people are transient too, or are they? The Bible says you're eternal. When you can look at them, will you see an eternal being with a potential glory self that's kind of come, that's true and good and beautiful? Beautiful living inside faith, hope, and love, undefeatable because of Jesus. That's you. That's our friends and our neighbors. So please live inside of that. You can't see it, but it's there. You have to see it through hope, not with these eyes. second one. um, You know, we're always looking for community. Do you do this? You walk into the room, And you immediately go, Is there anybody like me? (laughs) Is there anybody like me? And so, if you're really especially narrow, you know, you're like 16 years old, and if there's no other 16 to 18 year olds in the room, you don't want to be in that room. If there's no other 45 to 50 year olds in that room, you don't want to be in that room. Or racially, they don't look like you. (laughs) Racially, they don't look like you. Do you do that? So you walk into a room, like this, this could very well happen. I mean, this is Sunnyvale. You could walk into a room, and 80% of the room is from South India. You know, South Asians. They're from Punjab. They're from Kerala. You know, they're from all these places, and we're like, I don't even know where, I don't even know where Kerala is, right? But that's what they're from. And if you walk in, you're like, oh, this isn't my kind of community. They have the wrong skin color. They're not like me. Is this how you operate? But can you look at people and say, wait a second, I don't look at them with my eyes through the things that are transient. Instead, I look at them through faith, hope, and love. I have a big hope. This person could be my friend forever. (laughs) Forever. This person, when I'm depressed in three years, so... Maybe in five years from now, my wife will die of cancer. The person who will love me is this person from India. will be my best friend, will take me through that with glory. Faith, hope, and love. So what kind of community are you looking for? You know, do you want a community where everybody just sizes each other up according to the transient? Or do you want a community where people care about things like mercy and justice and forgiveness a love that endures. You want that kind of community? Community of people will sacrifice because you're not transient. You're being hurt by other un- unjust, unjust factors in our city, but you will say, you know what? You're a different skin color than me, but I will stand up for you because you're my friend. You're my brother. Our relationship is eternal. It is forever. I'll fight for you, and I'll have to sacrifice and it'll have to hurt to be there with you. It won't be easy to walk there with you in your depression. It won't be easy to come over to your house to help take care of your kids when your wife is sick. But I'll be there, because you're my friend. You're my brother, you're forever. Our relationship is forever. Can you think like that? What kind of a community do you want to be a part of? If the church will do religion according to the transient, according to the things we can see, we're only going to just go to the church where people are like me, and it's so easy to hang out with people like me. If that's the kind of church we're going to go to, this church is going to die because it'll just be transient. It'll just be a transient club. Clubs are transient. Churches are forever. Church is forever. Church is God's family. It's forever. It's eternal. But clubs here today, gone tomorrow. Weren't you ever in clubs? You know, like uh, when I was uh, when I was uh, in, in nine years old, there was a cool club in my school, and my I I I kind of stabbed you know a couple friends in the back because they weren't cool enough to be in that club, and I abandoned those friends <laughs> to be in the cool club. That club is gone. <laughs> it's kind of like and today, you know what I think like? I'm thinking I abandoned my friend. What a loser. <laughs> That's what I think about because that club was worthless. Today it's gone. But a real church lives in faith, hope, and love and treats and sees people differently. The community is a a different thing. It's worth our time. It's worth our sacrifice. It's worth our money. It's worth our pains. Because it's eternal. Let me offer you a third one. So, Someone's going to come into our, our, our this, is, this isn't a theory, okay? Um, these are some of the people that I, I've met in, uh, in, in recently. I met somebody, he's a friend, he's actually Punjabi. So I met this person a couple years ago. And so today we call Indians, but it's not, it's not really a good phrase. <laughs> well, let me just give you a tip. If you meet an Indian, ask what language they speak, ask what tribe they're from. That's the real nation. That's the real ethnicity. And some of the Indians hate each other. I know they look the same to us. They're like, oh, he's got dark skin. He's got dark skin. This guy eats curry. This guy eats curry, but they don't eat the same kind of curry. <laughs> these people don't even like these people's curry, <laughs> right? And, uh, and so if you say, hey, you're the same as them, you know, that, that's fighting words. It's really racist, actually. It's very ignorant. Hmm. So I'm mostly really, really ignorant. So now I at least ask that question. What part of India are you from? And I ask a little bit about their culture. So, I know guys, Punjabi. I met a person recently at his party. He invited me and my wife to a party. And then he had another friend. This guy's from Andhra Pradesh. They speak Telugu. And I, I don't even, am I saying that right? Telugu, Telugu, right? Do you know that in Silicon Valley, that's one of the most common languages among Indians, Telugu. They're from Andhra Pradesh. Apparently, they're really good at engineering. <laughs> okay? They're very good at science. Um, there are a lot of Gujura, uh, there's a lot of people who speak Gujarati because they're Gujarats. Okay. Um, Iranians, you know Persians. Um, there's a guy who came to help get rid of the rats in our house, and I thought he was an Indian. He's not Indian. Turns out he's Sri Lankan. And apparently he's a Christian. That was, that was crazy but he's barely making it in our city. And uh, I can imagine, I can um, invite him to church and then he'll invite his friend. It's probably like, I don't know how many Sri Lankans are in the city, he'll invite his friend. His friend may not know Jesus. So here's what happens. This is the third thing I want you to think about. They come into this place. Oh, it's, you know, they, they, they're another ethnicity. Remember, if they meet Jesus, this is what's happening. A Sri Lankan person has met Jesus, but you know what can happen? Each individual, if you look at a person, you can't see this, but that person has descendants upon descendants upon descendants. Do you know that? Most of them will get married and have children. So if you're looking at somebody, you're looking at at thousands of people that can potentially come. And when Jesus enters into the flow of a family and of a nation, nations are being reached. It's one of the most incredible things about having church inside this city. When the nations come into the city, if the church will reach the nations, the nations will be reached. Can you live inside this hope? I know I've said this to you, and some of you are like, oh, okay, this is like one of those song things. I really believe this. I really believe this. Well, my friend who's a Punjabi invited me and my wife to his house for his birthday party. And then there was this potluck. This guy from Andhra Pradesh brought this really spicy dish, right? And you know what I was thinking? I was thinking like, this is going to be like dinner in eternity. There's a guy from Andhra Pradesh. If that guy comes into the church his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and the thousands of other people that get saved because Jesus come into his line. When I show up, they're going to be like, you helped my great-great-grandfather get saved. Will you come to my house? Will you eat our really spicy food? (laughs) It will be filled with our love, faith, hope, and love. And we will eat faith, hope, and love. Will you cry with us and laugh with us and dance with us? for we love you, oh, we love you. You want those kind of friends? I want those kind of friends. Let's close this message. <clears throat> I wanna take you to a verse. Hebrews chapter 12. This is this is crazy to me, <laughs> this, this verse. Is, there's these verses that, that go by, and I know you guys aren't pastors, um, but you don't have to be a pastor to notice these kinds of things. You just have to just read carefully. Here's what it says. Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let's set aside the myopia. And let us run with endurance. That's what it's gonna take for us to be a church plant. It's not going to be easy. We're going to have to have some endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And here's, here's, the, here's the part that I find crazy. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Let me say that again. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Yeah, he despised the shame but is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Last week I talked about this verse that there's going to be light momentary afflictions. In all your life you will have afflictions. Some of them will not feel light, and they will not feel momentary. They may feel long and hard and heavy and incredibly painful. But all afflictions, it all depends on what's coming after it. That's all, it's it's really what it's about. Whatever comes through it on the other side of the affliction, if the thing on the other side is really, really great, you can handle it. We are a church plant, and church plants, I mean, church plants could die. New businesses die, new communities die out. It feels risky, right? But, so we may feel the hardship, can we have endurance? But it all depends on what's on the other side. So, um, I asked my mom because you know my mom gave birth to me and my brother when there was no such thing as an epidural. <laughs> you know, my wife. Um, we we've had uh, my wife had you know we've had three children. We've actually had everything. We've had the miscarriage. We had the the perfect everything went right epidural birth. <laughs> then we had the showed up too late. And then, all-natural birth. Laura got no epidural. And I looked at my wife's face when Laura was born, and I was going, oh my gosh, this hurts. <laughs> I could just tell just by looking at because my wife has incredible pain tolerance. And she was in unbelievable pain. <laughs> an incredible pain. And number three, the, we, it was an emergency C-section. And so... When she woke up from that, she was like super drugged up and she sounded like she was a zombie. I was like, okay, this affliction needs to pass (laughs) because I don't need my wife to sound like a zombie, okay? And you know what? I asked my mom about it and she said, it's really, really painful. And sometimes it's really, really hard to have a baby because you're throwing up and your back hurts and it's unbelievably miserable. So I wanted to use this illustration on Mother's Day but then you get the baby. (laughs) And you don't just get the baby. Then they say hilarious things when they're two years old. And then they give you great gifts when they're six years old. And then they graduate. And then they get married. And then they give you grandchildren. (laughs) My mom looks at her grandchildren, and you could just tell it's worth more than all the money or every grade or any kind of achievement she's ever, ever had. Because the glory, which she cannot see inside the affliction of the childbirth, she cannot see that. But the glory is coming. Can you live inside that hope? All moms, let me tell you, if you're a mom now, I know sometimes it really stinks to wake up in the middle of the night. (laughs) But the glory is great. And all of us, we need to learn how to live like this. See, Jesus, he went through the most horrific thing ever, the cross. And yet, what enabled him to look at the cross and say, it will be a light momentary affliction? Unbelievable. All of of the wrath of God, all of hell and death, all of what we deserve, he would say, I can handle it. Light momentary affliction. Because there's a joy set before him. And all these broken people, they will be my friends and family forever. And I will have them and will eat He lived in the hope of the promise of the glory that God was going to offer him. That's how he is the founder and perfecter of our faith. We follow Jesus in and through the cross and his power will be in and through the cross and we live inside the hope of what he has, inside the faith of living inside of him and an unbelievable glorious love. It's infinitely better than childbirth. (laughs) Can you live that? In the weeks ahead, maybe it's already, you've already felt it. The church plant's going to get hard. There's going to be some points inside this church you're going to not like someone in your small group. You're going to go, gosh, I don't know if we're going to make it. Maybe I should just, this will be a transient community, and I'll just pick a better transient community that fits me better. <laughs> and we'll just do a worldly way, and we'll throw away this church. Or maybe something will happen inside of your life and you're going to go, I don't know if I could do this marriage. I don't know if I could do this marriage. I just can't stand looking at him one more time, doing that thing one more time. <laughs> or your friend is going to hurt you and you're going to be like, I can't stand this guy anymore. <laughs> Can you do But can you instead look at him differently? Faith, hope, and love. Jesus looked at you differently. Not at the things he could see with these eyes. He looked at you with faith, hope, and love from his father. And then for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So he can have you and give you a glorious self forever and ever. And give you a lot of other glorious selves forever. Eternal things, not transient things. So much better than high-riding pants. (laughs) Let's pray. These are your promises. Our God, our Savior, Jesus. How can they be? And we fall down... Help us to cast off all every weight and sin, all our myopia, our nearsightedness, through faith, hope, and love, with our eyes fixated upon the most glorious, the most truest, the most good, the beautiful, forever and ever, Jesus. Upon you, would you perfect our faith Would you purify our faith? Would you give us big, humongous hope? And would you unleash unbelievable love inside this community, Lord? (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll end the prayer. (laughs) In Jesus' name, let's worship. Amen.